Welcome in. Happy Monday. Good to have you with us. I hope everybody is relatively dry, right? We're, we're kind of back to normal here. It was a rough couple of days over the weekend. Well, weekend was, I guess, okay. But but certainly uh, Friday, Thursday was pretty nasty with these storms. Um, and, and I was looking at the forecast, Brian, uh, for next week. I was talking to one of our sales executives here. Do you know what it's supposed to be temperature-wise next Wednesday? Not two days from now. Eight days from now. Nine days from now. I believe Danielle was just screaming at me about this, that it's like 100 degrees or something, right? Danielle, did you see the number? It's hotter than that. I saw. Well, I saw. 106. Oh, the actual temperature. The actual temperature. Now, look, this is is nine days away, right? So it's going to change. Still. But on the app, when it gives you the temperature, it's not that they don't account for humidity or any of those things. Into September, according to this app, next Wednesday, not two days from now, next Wednesday, will be 106. Now, I, is that a I, uh, is that a typo? Is that somebody at the Weather Channel, you know, making an oopsie? I'm just going to tell you right now, I, have, I think I'm going to be sick next yeah. Wednesday. I won't be able to leave the air-conditioned house. I was down in Georgia this weekend. We played around a golf in... Uh, uh, at the University of Georgia at their their golf course. Um, it was 98 felt like 110. And it was, I, I was, it, I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die out here. <laughs> I'm going to die on this golf course in Georgia. So it was hot. But, I mean, look, there are states, you know, these states have been dealing with extreme temperatures for months now, it feels like. Uh, and there hasn't been much of a reprieve. Uh, in the meantime, big news today. A federal judge providing, uh, presiding rather over former President Donald Trump's 2020 election tampering case has officially set a trial date. And that trial date is March 4th. The decision by Tanya Chuck and the U.S. District Judge denied a Trump defense request to push the trial back until April of 2026, roughly a year and a half or so after the 2024 election. But it also sets it later than the January date that Jack Smith and his team wanted. Now, Chuckin said something that was pretty interesting in, in when it came to both of these proposals that the defense and the prosecution laid out. She called them obviously far apart. They were unacceptable. Now, Trump was just charged a, a couple of weeks ago with the, with this four count indictment. Right. Here's the kicker. It's right in the middle of the GOP presidential primary calendar. Six days after Michigan's primary, it's around Super Tuesday. I mean, look, I, I, I understand that if these charges are legit, if you've got the evidence, and is there something to be said? I mean, and I think the Trump folks have been banging this drum for a while. Is there something to be said about having this this trial start when when they've said it early March, right in the middle of primary season. I, I I think there's something to it. I think you should. I think there should be. You should leave the door open for this process to run its course and then take action. Uh, meanwhile, we know the age of these presidential candidates are going to play a role in how people vote next November. Well, according to a new AP poll. More than three-fourths of people, 77%, say Joe Biden is too old to run for a second term. 
89% Republicans who responded to, to the poll believe it, which it's not a surprise. But here's the staggering number. Ready? Of the Democrats, Brian, who responded to this poll, how many people do you think said that he's too old to run for a second term? Democrats. It, even with Democrats, it's got to be up in the 60% range. 69%. Yeah, it's almost seven 70%. out of 10 people, yeah. seven out of 10 Democrats yeah. say he's too old to run for a second term. Now, they also used word association. So 26 percent of people who were, were, were talking about Biden's age, they used slow, confused. One Republican even thought of the word potato, <laughs> which I don't know why I found funny. A potato. I don't know why. <laughs> But it was kind of funny. That he likes him because he takes his false teeth out. Uh, maybe, that's what he could eat. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. God bless. Live and let live. Um, Democrats, the words that they used were president, leader, strong, capable. Although one who approves of Joe Biden's performance, a Democrat, called him senile. 3% of the survey came up with the word confused as a first descriptor for Donald Trump. 1% used old. Uh, but the words that dominated the word association with Donald Trump were corrupt, crooked, bad, uh, liar, dishonest. Those were the big, the big word associations with Donald Trump. I, I think it's very wow. interesting as we sit here at this moment of time, as we really start gearing up for the general election. Very interesting. Potato. I, I wouldn't have thought potato. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'd use. I, that, that wouldn't have popped into my mind. Um, Donald Trump's campaign. Okay, so... Thursday, I fly down to Atlanta. We got out of Atlanta as quick as possible because Donald Trump was coming into town to be uh, processed. Remember when he was going to be charged that first time? It was the second round of charges with the federal case with Jack Smith on the on the documents. And everyone was like, oh, he's going to get a mugshot. Didn't get a mugshot. This time it did. Of the four indictments, this is the first time Donald Trump has had a mugshot. And I remember telling people that Donald Trump wants the mugshot. He wants it because he's going to put it on every piece of clothing that he can, and he's going to sell it to people as they make campaign donations. Well, what do we what do we what do we see here? Uh, the campaign, the auxiliary surrounding the campaign, selling everything from T-shirts, mugs, posters, you name it. Uh, beer koozies, and they have raised seven, over seven million dollars since the mugshot on Thursday. I got three emails over the weekend about this from from sure Trump from, from the campaign, just wanting money. For uh, if I give them thirty five dollars, they'll send me a free T shirt with the mugshot on it. See, all I got to do is donate thirty five dollars. I get a free T shirt. Uh, that is look. There aren't many <laughs> better deals than free. There aren't many better deals than thirty five dollars. Uh, the fundraising total for the past three weeks following the indictment and arraignment uh, in Washington is close to $20 million. Look, how many times have I said it? What wins the elections? Money. Money, 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 money. And Donald Trump is amassing a huge sum of money. A huge sum of money. After, his, after the, the day he was arrested in Georgia... 4.2 million bucks. Boom. Just like that. Now, can I play a piece of audio here? Because Newt Gingrich was on Mark Levin's show. 
a life, liberty, and Levin on Fox News. And and this is why I, I think he did a very nice job of summing up why Donald Trump is able to use something as what many politicians would think as as damaging to their political career as a mugshot, use it to his advantage. I think that Trump is not a candidate. Trump is the leader of a movement. Uh, he's the personification of an establishment that is totally corrupt, destroying anything that gets in its way. Interestingly, for example, uh, his support among African-American males has gone up dramatically. And the reason's simple. They feel that the police have harassed them. They're now watching the government harass Trump. They actually identify with what he's going through. Now, interestingly enough, coming up next, I want to explore that a little more. Because Joe Biden is losing support amongst African-American voters while Donald Trump is gaining it. Donald Trump gaining support with the indictments, with the mugshot. I want to explore this a little bit. I want to get your thoughts. We'll do that next. 800-859-0957. More as we continue on JR Afternoon. I think many people who may or may not like Trump's personality, but they look at this and they think, let me get, here are my choices. I'm going to side with a totally corrupt administration, or I'm going to side with a guy who has the guts to stand there and take the beating and keep coming. I mean, you know, Trump could easily have retired. And if he'd retired, none of these charges would ever have occurred. He could have just sailed off into the sunset. That's Mark Levin, or excuse me, that's former House Speaker Newt Gingrich on Mark Levin's show on Fox News. And, you know, I, I always, it always makes me laugh when these presidential candidates are they're in, like, uh, you know, rural states. They're in Iowa. What do they do? They they roll those sleeves up. Hey, they're wearing jeans with their uh, their, their boot, their work boots on. Uh, but if they're in, uh, you know, wa- uh, Washington, D.C., or if they're in California or, or New York City, maybe, maybe they got the whole, uh, you know, they're, they're dressed up nicely. They're in business gear. I, it's always funny, the, the chameleon kind of aspect to to running for a large office like this, right? Um, so th- there's always a bit of pandering. And I think that there's pandering at a, at a much greater level when you're trying to find the commonality with different groups of people. And sometimes that's old people. Sometimes that's young people. Sometimes that's people who are more moderate, uh, more extreme. Sometimes you're pandering to different groups of people like race, white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people. And and that's where it's one of the metrics that many polling locations, many people watch out for because you know there is there is power in numbers and when you've got a, a perhaps a particular grouping of people that tend to favor one side or the other, um it's something to track because they hold a lot of power. There's a lot of sway in those votes. Well, according to a new Fox poll, in 2020, Joe Biden had 91% of the black vote. Donald Trump had 8% of black voters in 2020. As we stand today, August 28th, 2023, According to this new Fox News poll, 61% of black voters are siding with Joe Biden. 20% are siding with Donald Trump. Now, if those numbers 
stood up even even in the slightest. I mean, if Donald Trump was polling 10% of the black vote, that would be a huge boost to Donald Trump. And and you heard Newt Gingrich, that, that there are groups of people that have looked at the justice system and said that there are grave injustices happening here. And they see the commonality because Donald Trump is going, guys, there's a, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not guilty here. I'm innocent. They are taking advantage of me because of who I am. And that in and of itself is resonating with people. Now that Brian is not something that I, I had anticipated. Uh, no, no, I didn't anticipate people resonating with that message that, that the justice system is corrupt and they're getting me because of my name. They're getting me because of who I am. And then people are going, yeah, I feel the same way. People are 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 unjustly going after me for something I didn't do just because of the color of my skin or how I look. And Americans love an underdog. So if they think you're being beaten down by the man, quote unquote, they'll side with you every time. Now, look, I- I'm not it's a good strategy. I'm not saying that these numbers are going to hold up. But here's my question. I have I have I have mainly said that the most unreliable voting block is young voters. Young voters help propel Joe Biden to a win in 2020. I I want to know from you which which base, which voter base is is going to play the biggest role next year. Because you could say it's it's the African-American vote. You could say it's the Hispanic vote. You could say it's young people. You could say it's old people. I, I want to know from you, which voter base do these candidates need? Now, I'm not talking about your base, right? Donald Trump's base is going to vote for Donald Trump. But when you break it down, I, I'm, I'm interested to know where you're at. Because if if these numbers hold up, according to this Fox News poll, and Donald Trump has seen a 12% uptick in support amongst black voters. That is, I mean, that is, that's enormous. My, meanwhile, Joe Biden has lost 30%. So now you've got another 10% of people floating in the ether as they try to figure out what they want to do. But now you've got word association, people talking about Joe Biden being senile, too old potato, which is hilarious to me for whatever reason. All of these terms that are they're talking about an old guy that that they feel is not all there. Meanwhile, you've got people associating Donald Trump with corrupt liar. You know, lawbreaker, whatever it is. It, there is a there is something at play here that you're going to need to find support amongst groups of people. And if you had success with those folks, you're going to need to keep that success rolling, that momentum rolling. You know, Donald Trump winning Miami-Dade County had a huge supporting base of Hispanic voters. That's something he's going to have to keep. Joe Biden making a lot of young people mad when he uh, allowed that oil project to go forward in Alaska. They didn't like that because that goes against the 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 climate-changing alarmist ideology that his campaign put out and as a president has put out. So they, even they've jumped ship to a certain extent. I want to know which group 
in your mind, is going to play the biggest role. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. Let's go out to Tom in Windsor across the bridge. Hey, Tommy. Hi, good afternoon. Hey, listen, you, you, you want to see Mr. Trump's popularity explode. I mean, you, you see what happened just after, uh, after his mugshot. You try indicting him next March for the equivalent of jaywalking when Joe Biden gets away with bank robbery. You try indicting him next March on that. But it's so totally unfair to see his numbers explode. I'll tell you, just be handing him the election. And one more thing. Um, Mr. Trump, I've never seen him, like you were saying about people dressed differently. I've never seen him in anything other than a suit. I, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't wear it on the golf course. I've never, it doesn't matter who he is. He's, he's always in a suit. I, I, you're you know? right. You're right. I, I was just making the point. It's funny how these politicians pander to different groups of people. I just, I, I, and, and, I always oh. find it funny. Look, you, you, you have millions of dollars. Don't roll up your sleeves and, you know, and sell me some fantasy that you're a hardworking guy. Like, you know, don't, like, I don't need that. Like, let's just, like, we're all adults here. Can we be honest with each other? You want my vote because you're a politician, right? Well, what are your ideas? You don't need to play the whole, I'm a, you know, just down to, down to earth American. I, I don't need that. Uh, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. You're right. Donald Trump wears a suit. That's his, that's his get up. Unless he's on the golf course. Then he's got golf course attire on. Uh, Rick's in center line. Hey, Rick. Hey, how you doing, Chris? Uh, I'm good. Hey, real quick, quick comment. Hey, the way they, uh, the last election, they suckered in all those college voters was dangling that carrot will pay off your loan. And some of these kids probably couldn't even tell you the three branches of government, but say, hey, pay off my college loan, I'll vote for you. Alexandria you know I mean? Ocasio-Cortez couldn't name the three branches of government. That's a true story. I, I know. That's horrifying. Um, but, Rick, I, you know, that's a good point. And I, I do wonder, how do you think then that plays out in 2024? Do you think Joe Biden goes out and says, look, I tried? Because no, he, even his plan even his plan because... now, well, he, Tom, he, or Rick, I'm sorry, even his plan now is is going to be challenged in court. Yeah, absolutely. Uh they just threw that out there at the last minute, uh, sucking a bunch of college kids, and it's unconstitutional. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I know you do. I know yeah. you do. But 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 the, <laughs> the 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 thing here is if you know it's are you going to be able to rope that group in again? Right. And and that and no, and that's I fine. Think so I don't know. You've been indoctrinated. I mean, those people are four years older now, right? They're in a different stage of their their life. Yeah. So Rick, I appreciate the call. Thank you. 800-859-0957. 800-859-0WJR. You can call or text that number. We'll get back to more of your input next here on JR Afternoon. End your workday with Mitch Album at four and sports rap with Sean Belegian at six. On 760 WJR. Now back to Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. Uh, by the way, uh, coming up at 248, giving opportunity to win some tickets. Arts Beats and Eats, Russell Dickerson it will be in town on September 3rd. Also, 348 Michigan State football tickets. We got them for you. Uh, if you want to head to that first game at Spartan Stadium, uh, the chips in town for that one. We'll give you an opportunity to win some tickets uh, as well for that at 348. Uh, in the meanwhile, just taking some of your calls. Uh, Fox News in a new poll shows that Joe Biden is losing support among black voters. He's lost 30 percent of his support down to 61 percent from what he gained in black support in 2020. 91 percent. Donald Trump had 8 percent of 
of black voters in 2020. That is now up to 20 percent. Which group, whether it's old, young, which demographic is going to play the biggest role in 2024? 800-859-0957. Angela's in Lakeland. Hey, Angela. Chris, how are you? I'm great. What can I do for you? Well, I'm just thinking that one demographic that I've been watching that's been frustrating me is that uh, legalization of marijuana Mm -hmm. and then abortion uh, policy with uh, extending killing of unborn children till the end of pregnancy. That seems to bring out voters that otherwise wouldn't vote. Mm -hmm. And they swing things way left and they tend to vote the entire ticket Mm -hmm. um, when those votes wouldn't even have been there. So I think that's one demographic. To watch, and I think that's really what happened in Michigan as well. That's why we have so much uh, liberal politics going on right now that I think the average Michigan sure. doesn't really agree with. I think I think the abortion issue played a huge role in the midterms. There's no doubt about it. That's Absolutely. that that's not going to be on the ballot in 2024 here in Michigan. You know, it, no, not it, in Michigan necessarily, but I think across the whole country, when you're looking at different demographics around the United States, if you watch those swing states. They yep. have those issues on, on the ballot. Yep. That's going to make a big difference. It it certainly will make a difference. To what extent, we'll see. Uh, but, yes, it, it certainly will play a role. Angela, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, out to Rochester and Dave. What's up, Dave? Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm Dave? good. Yeah. Let's see. First of all, some, some cleanup on some of these premises that mm-hmm. have been put out there. The uh, March 4th, 2024 date. That's already set. All four indictments have already been set. To answer your other callers, <laughs> they're done. The, the, the trial dates are now being set, and one of them, the big, the Washington big one, mm-hmm. the, the one in the, that was set. And to answer uh, the thing about the student loan, the second thing has already been tried. It uh, failed by the the Bacchanal committee and what the other. Uh, no, no. Uh, there, there are still it. there are still legal challenges pending on on this current student loan policy decision. And it's it's down in the Fifth U.S. Right. Circuit Court of Appeals in in New Orleans. Uh, they, they've issued a, a temporary block on some new provisions. This this is still very much active in the courts. For those, uh, and by the way, the young people aren't moving. Abortion's not going to be an issue that serves the GOP well. It's, uh, no, gun, you're right. Gun, you're right. Guns not going to serve them well. I could go on and on with the climate change is not going to serve the Republicans well as far as the young folks turning mm-hmm. out. Lastly, the big important issue here is Newt Gingrich underlying thing that, oh, they're, they're charging Trump. He wouldn't be charged if he wasn't right. That's, why do you think they charged the 1,000, over, over 1,000 people on the, the, the January 6th insurrection already? I mean, they're not going to say, "Oh, we're, we're we're charging him because because he's the weakest candidate as far as the binary choice come November 2024." Now that would be <laughs> that would be a reason why they wouldn't charge him. All right, Dave. I, look, I, I I appreciate the call. Thank you. Uh, Bob's in Farmington Hills. Hey, Bob. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if the left or anti. Trump forces are out of ammo. You know, as all these uh, indictments go belly up, which it looks like they're going to, uh, you know, it's going to be all over, I think. Uh, you know, I mean, Mr. Biden, unfortunately, is 
I mean, if you looked up racketeer in the dictionary, you know the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. The picture's right there. So I think a lot of people see that, and they see the freedom of speech and censorship and no one talking about it on the debate. And they're like, hey, man, if you know, if you want to take over a government, take over the TV stations. So didn't Gaddafi say that? I can't remember. Well, but, he, here's where here's where Donald Trump is. This is what's different from 2016, 2015, right? Donald Trump isn't restriking that same chord that he did. He didn't, you know, he became a voice for a whole group of people that felt disenfranchised, that felt that they weren't being represented in government, that felt like they were they were just along for the ride and had to vote for, you know. Uh, uh, somebody who didn't align with all their values but checked enough boxes for them to get to the ballot box, right? Donald Trump, all of a sudden, there was a wave, right? We don't need to to go over that again. It's harder for him to strike that same chord again now, um, especially after he was president, especially when you consider, you know, some of the 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 issues that he had while he was president in terms of his temper and manner and personality and all those things. But what he is doing now to a a much smaller extent, but maybe more impactful because he already has a built in base. He's got a war chest, so he's got to pick up some extra pieces along the way is is he is now appealing to a different group of people, potentially black voters, potentially young voters, whomever it is, and and saying, look, see how uh, unjust this justice system really is. They're going after me because they don't like me. And I know exactly how you feel. That's a that's a side I didn't really consider. Well, FOIA requests that's one of the better things Republicans did. The Republican Party in Washington D.C. Thank them for that, I guess. But I mean, uh, without those, these things are coming to fruition. People are going to have to come up with documents, or they're going to have to hide them, and they're getting tough to hide. All right, Bob. Thank you. I I appreciate it. Uh, Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Brian, we got some texts. We do. Let's see here. Uh, here's one from a 586 area code. The media will play the biggest role just they did, as they did in 2020 and 2022 primaries. Well, y- yeah. And, and here's where I think they play the role, um, especially, I mean, the national media. If they are going to, if they're going to, if, if, if things with Joe Biden really go in a way that is is pretty damaging for him if they cover it, right? And to what extent do they cover it? You know, CNN is hemorrhaging viewers. Like, they're not even averaging 800,000 people a day. So I I will be very interested to see how the media then portrays and, and covers a lot of these big issues. True. We have one here from Bob from St. Clair Shores who texts us a lot. Uh, you'll like this one. I'm going to read it verbatim to okay. you. Okay, all right. It says, little Chris, your age is showing. You couldn't be more wrong. Oh. Everything that Trump ran on is reinforced even more after three years of the Democrats. Who were you trying to kid besides yourself? I don't know really what that means. <laughs> I, I don't either. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like. Was I was I mean to the Republicans today? I don't know that I was. I feel like I was actually pretty complimentary in the fact that he's pulling support away from Joe Biden. Yeah. And you got one more here from Rod from Plymouth. The first thing he texted you was a a potato. 
Oh, God, thank you, Rod. Thank <laughs> I'll you. I'll you a potato. Good. And then good. he says, uh, Chris, did you play Augusta? No, God, no. No, I don't have that kind of pull. Uh, we played uh, the University of Georgia's course, uh, which was pretty cool. Nice. It was great. It was a nice course. I don't know how people play golf in, in Georgia. I don't know. I don't know how they do it because it was, yeah, it was, it was hot. Uh, all right. We had some, uh, some, some sad news. Uh, lots of shootings this weekend, um, including one in Jacksonville that was particularly heinous. Um, somebody who was hateful, somebody who, who just hated people based on the color of their skin, um, killed people for, for really nothing. And then took his own life. And now investigators are looking to this as a hate crime. Uh, We'll cover this with Mike Bouchard, the Oakland County Sheriff, and with the Major County Sheriff's Association next here on JR Afternoon. Be caller number nine at 800-859-0WJR. 800-859-0957. Got a pair of VIP tickets to go see country music star Russell Dickerson in concert at Arts, Beats, and Eats on Sunday, September 3rd. Uh, of course, for a bonus chance, you can text the word country to 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Official rules are at WJR.com. Uh, look, 760 WJR welcomes Soaring Eagles Arts, Beats, and Eats presented by Flagstar Bank Labor Day weekend in downtown Royal Oak. You can enjoy fine art fair, tasty food, 200 bands on nine stages. Look, it's fun for the whole family. you got to get down there. Uh, artsbeatsandeats.com for more information. Uh, all right. So um, even in the last uh, half hour or so, um, I think this alert was sent out just before 2.30, so not even. Um, reports of an active shooter at UNC Chapel Hill at the University of North Carolina. Um, and, and that kind of put a puts a uh, exclamation point on on a – a pretty deadly violent weekend all across the country. We have seen gun violence shoot up and, and it all kind of kicked things off with that hate filled violent shooting of a dollar store down in Jacksonville, where it, it appears according to, to reports and what police have put out seems to be a hate crime. Um, Mike Bouchard joins us with the, uh, the Oakland County Sheriff and, uh, of course, uh, with his position with major county sheriffs, uh, sheriff, good to have you with us. Um, what do you wh- what do you look at when it comes to um, a potential hate crime as as you kind of dig deeper into these cases? Um, it, what what are things that would jump out that would lead you to believe that that's the path this thing is heading? Um, you know, generally. I would say, and, and there is obviously always exceptions to rules, but a, a lot of folks that go and set about to do what would be called a mass shooting oftentimes leave some kind of reasoning or manifesto, if you will. And so sometimes it's they were wronged by a certain group, or it could be they hate a certain group. It could be a variety of things, and they feel this is their way to to right wrongs and get even. I mean, clearly it's it's completely disconnected from reality and no justification whatsoever. And it sounds like this individual had such a document that uh, declared his hate um, for black people, which obviously is a hate crime. When it comes to to these shootings, um, 
by all accounts, this person was able to to buy these weapons legally uh, in the state of Florida. Um, so no laws would have prevented this from happening. But um, why? I, I feel like I've asked you this question. I don't even know how many times, Sheriff. Why are we seeing an uptick in these shootings? What 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 is driving this? Well, you know, I think generically people are quicker to violence in all settings. Maybe not to shooting violence, but to anger, to just being rude and disrespectful. And and oftentimes we're seeing that escalate quickly into violence. Um, I just read a, a news report and somebody had studied it and talked about this that on all levels, you're seeing, you know, disrespect and rudeness as commonplace, that people, uh, for whatever reason, when we came out of COVID, um, just seemed to be more anxious, more angry, and quicker to go off, if you will. And sometimes that plays directly into violence that is spontaneous, and sometimes it feeds the non-spontaneity situations by saying, I'm sick of this, I'm angry, and this is my focal point, and so I'm going to go remedy that for whatever bizarre reason they come up with. And so it's it's not just with mass shooters we're seeing quicker to violence. It's in all settings. We're seeing, you know, more oftentimes when people have a Facebook or social media conflict, then they go try to find and meet up and have real-world violence as a consequence. It's um, it's very troubling how quickly people are are going from, you know, this kind of thing and escalating into a violent conclusion. Yeah, it's zero to to a hundred, right? And then 100%. and then you brought up social media. People find themselves in echo chambers. People find themselves, you know, gravitating the, to to the things that they want to believe that they want to see, and you get more of it, and you're fed it, and and in in a lot of cases, it can only you know expedite things that that somewhere in that zero to a hundred process, is there anything that you've seen from a law enforcement response respect um, in this particular case that would raise eyebrows? Because everything I've seen seems to be, um, uh, you know, everything was done the right way. I'm going to get a much deeper brief in about six minutes. I'm going to be on a national call Mm -hmm. um, about this particular case. So typically, as you know, for over 20 years, any kind of mass shooting or situation anywhere in the world, I've gotten a very deep brief, sometimes just, you know, uh, law enforcement sensitive and sometimes classified to learn from what happened, what went right, what went wrong, how, how that informs our training and our policies and procedures. So as an example, after Virginia Tech, um, you know, where I learned the individual had chained one entrance and then gone around to the other side, both to prevent people from fleeing out that one door, but also to prevent first responders from coming in that door. Uh, I ordered bolt cutters put into our cars for uh, kind of a preventive response. So you use these calls as a way to, to curtail your response? Yeah, we constantly are informing our response and our tactics based on what we've seen anywhere in the world because we know it can visit tragically and had it visit our community. Mm. Uh, well, interesting stuff. Uh, perhaps we can talk about that soon. Um, Mike Bouchard, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Sounds good. Take care. Have a yeah, good day. You do the same. Um, 800-859-0957. I know Tom's in Detroit. He's been holding on. I, wants to just wrap up about this discussion about what groups are going to be important because Donald Trump is gaining support amongst black voters. Joe Biden is losing that support. And that is a very critical group 
um, that holds a lot of power in these elections. Tom, what's going on? Well, Barack Obama uh, said he wanted to fundamentally transform America, and he did that. He started it immediately by attacking conservatives, and they started prosecuting Donald Trump before his first election, and they have not let up since. And they really, I don't think they even care if they lock him up or anything. The whole point is to damage him and conservatives, period. So, uh, Tom, I appreciate the call. I think there's some truth to that. I think I think they do want to damage Donald Trump. I think they, they don't want Donald Trump to run again, right? And, and when I say they, I mean Democrats. So if you operate under the assumption that Donald Trump is being wrongfully prosecuted, that Donald Trump is is purely uh, the the in the crosshairs of their political actions, then you could make that case. Um, I I think that when you start looking at these cases and the times that they are going to play out and the time that it's going to require Donald Trump to be in a courthouse uh, or or be near a courthouse because he's got X, Y, and Z to 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 do and be at, and that th- that can be damaging to Donald Trump. I'm not sure Donald Trump really needs to go around the country and stump. As much as I would love it, as much as I would love Donald Trump to be on a debate stage, I, I don't know that he absolutely needs to do it. Donald Trump's base is is so large and so faithful. And and look, look at the money that they are contributing to his campaigns using the mugshot, the very mugshot that they would thought would be beneficial in putting him in the ground instead of only making him stronger. 800-859-0957. Got to take a break. More coming up next on JR Afternoon. All right, all you Spartans out there, I got four tickets up for grabs. Season opener, East Lansing, Spartan Stadium, the Chippewas are in town. Uh, we'll give away those tickets coming up at 348. Uh, but keep listening. We'll give you an opportunity to win them then. Uh, in the meantime, uh, there was a, an arrest uh, made in the case of the, for, uh, the, 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 the twin 14-day-olds that were taken. Um, there was an arrest made, and they were officially charged uh, on Thursday. Uh, 18-year-old Curtis Slay, 19-year-old Demetrius Chandler, and 23-year-old Chantel Jones, all charged with two counts of kidnapping, child enticement, two counts of unlawful imprisonment, a count of conspiracy to commit kidnapping, child enticement, and three counts of larceny in a building in connection to the kidnapping. Now, here's what Wayne County Prosecutor, Kim Worthy says in her uh, briefing on this, um, there was a hotel rented in Livonia. The defendants kidnapped the children from their room when the mother left the room briefly. Mother called 911. An Amber Alert was issued. The children were turned into Detroit police the next day. Uh, it's alleged that Chantel Jones befriended the mother of the twins all while intending to steal them from the mother. Chantel Jones was allegedly aided in this effort by Demetrius Chandler and Curtis Slay, also a 16-year-old girl, has been charged in this as well. 
Uh, she has been charged with two counts of kidnapping, two counts of unlawful imprisonment, a count of, a count of conspiracy to make, uh, commit kidnapping, and three counts of larceny in a building. Now, the 16-year-old uh, is not being charged as an adult, but as an adult defendant. Um, the designation, or excuse me, an adult designation, which means that when sentencing comes, the judge has the ability to either respond as a juvenile or as an adult or some sort of blended sentence uh, in this. But that is a wild case. Thankfully, these kids are all right. All right. Thankfully, the mom gets them back. I mean, everything's okay. But my goodness, I mean, you, you just don't know who you meet out here in this world. I mean, honestly, like this mom meets these people, they become friends. And meanwhile, there's like a plot to kidnap her twins. And 14 months old. It's like. It's like kidnapping a job to me. It's like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, my Lord, I'm kidnapping more work to do. Yeah, (laughs) I'm looking to get people. They're also very expensive. It's a word. It's it's a job that you have to pay for 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 a long time. Yeah. 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 Let's just, I mean, look, I, I don't know. Thankfully, I'm glad there's well that ends. Yes, absolutely. My goodness. I it's it's just a, a wild story. Um, in the meantime, an official trial date has been set in Donald Trump's 2020 alleged election interference tampering case, and that has been set for March 4th. And you may think, well, March 4th, that sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's right in the middle of, of the primary calendar. It's, what, six days after Michigan's primary. It's around Super Tuesday. I mean... That is that is dead in the middle of when, as a candidate, you want to be out and about. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin denied a defense request to push the trial until April of 2026, which is about a year and a half after the 2024 election. Um, it also sets it later than the January date that was proposed by Jack Smith's team. So Chutkin said to both sides that she considered neither proposal acceptable, saying that these proposals are obviously far apart. Um, I, I, I just think, I think having this hearing, this hearing in particular, right in the middle of primary season, I, I think it's probably um, as about as good of a scenario as you can get if you're somebody on the left and wants Donald Trump put in jail. I think it's 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 it is cumbersome enough that will it will prevent him from being able to go out, go to your town, go to somebody else's town and and try to drum up more support. And I, maybe Donald Trump doesn't even need it. Maybe he doesn't even actually really need to get on Trump Force One and and fly around to these different cities and hold rallies and all those things. Maybe he doesn't even need it. Um, and maybe they can use it as an opportunity to to raise more money. I'm not sure. But it is it is it is certainly something to keep an eye on because that's a a pretty important time in the primary calendar. Um, How about this? Seventy seven percent of people responding to a new AP poll. Thirty three, three out of four people say that Joe Biden is too old to run for a second term. Eighty nine percent of Republicans say that they believe he is too old, which is not a surprise, I suppose. Um, But the, the really staggering number is 69% of Democrats 
believe he's too old for a second term. That is seven out of ten people. I mean, that's shocking. They also uh, did some word association in this poll. Um, 26% of people mentioned Biden's age. 15% of people used words like slow or confused. One Republican thought of potato, which cracks me up. Um, Democrats, uh, in their response, um, they use terms like president, leader, strong, capable, 28% of the time. Um, Although some Democrats uh, who approve of his performance called him senile, which that's a pretty strong word to use for a president who's the leader of the free world. Yes, senile is pretty strong, yes. 3% 3% of the survey came up with confused for Donald Trump. Um, 1% used the word old, which is, they're not that far apart in age, which is interesting. Um, but they did use words like corrupt, crooked 15% of the time, bad or, or, or other negative terms like liar, dishonest 11% of the time, 8% uh, of, of the time they went with good, and another 8% of the time with other generally positive comments. But that's very interesting. And, and of course, Donald Trump got his mug shot down in Fulton County in Atlanta uh, late last week. And what did they do? Like every, you know, normal politician would do is they would put it on shirts and sell it. Uh, that, that is a death wish for any other politician. You know that? It's a death wish. Absolutely. That, that would be that would be catastrophic. Anybody else? Most, if, if, most if, anybody, even not a politician, most people anybody. don't want to show off a mugshot. No, even if you have one. I mean, if Ron DeSantis got popped for a DUI and there was a mugshot, his campaign would be dead. <laughs> It'd be over. <laughs> Donald Trump. You know, they're talking about election. You know, tampering He's and interference. It on t-shirts. <laughs> putting it on T-shirts and charging you twenty bucks a piece or whatever. Uh, thirty-five. Well, oh, sorry, thirty-five. <laughs> And, and, and raising $7 million because of that. $7 million in swag with the mugshot. It's why Donald Trump didn't care about taking a mugshot. I know. Do you think that they practiced the mugshot picture? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? He practiced that in a mirror for hours. You before. think? Yes. It had to be the right angry, aggressive look before he could put like, that do, never Did they call the it. county and go like, what's the height of the camera? Like, what's the angle that we're going to be at? I don't think they'll tell you that. I, I don't know. think they just, because they, the camera raises and lowers depending on how tall you are. Oh, true. I mean, that's there. probably, yeah, but that's probably true. He's, he said having had his mugshot taken many, many years ago. <laughs> and no, it's not a t-shirt. It's at home somewhere. But Who's got a mugshot? Me. You do? Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you the story sometime off the air. It's. We're putting it on Twitter, WJR Radio. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's stashed away somewhere. I think only Bev has seen my mugshot. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll report back. All right, we got to take a break. Um, You know, I just flew on a plane. I I flew to Atlanta. I'm not a big plane guy. I don't like them. I just, it it freaks me out. Um, How about this? A new investigation taking place where thousands of pilots are suspected hiding this from their employer. It would make a big deal if they can fly the plane or not. We'll do that next on JR Afternoon. Brian, I'll do whatever you want. I'll never not listen to you again. People, I work with a hardened criminal. I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. This man is a menace to society. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
Danielle's in here Googling, looking for it. Just shaken to my core. <laughs> just a hardened, hardened criminal. I would just say, everybody does stupid, stupid stuff when they're young. Did I tell you the story about the time I took the sign? I think I did. I think I told that actually not long ago. I, I, I took a street sign, mm-hmm. and then the cop came to my house a couple <laughs> hours later. And uh, my my dad answered the door. And apparently they I learned this not long ago. My dad had a conversation with the cop and was like, scare him. The oh, cop's absolutely. like, the cop's like, it's fine. If he has the sign, we'll just put it back up. It was a street sign. It wasn't like a stop sign right, or anything right. like that. But we took the street sign down for whatever reason. And um, somebody uh, in the neighborhood we were in read my license plate and called him in. And they knew who we were. They worked for the school, the, the high school that we went to. So they like saw all of us and they're like, I know all of those people. And then <laughs> and then I gave the license plate to the police. Came to my house and the guy, the cop was like, uh, did you take a sign with X and Y and Z? And I'm like, what? And he's like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And they're like, we got to go. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, he really, he did the whole uh, fear, you know, scared me half to death thing. Um, I was like, I'll sit in the front seat. And he's like, now nah, you got to sit in the back. And I'm oh, like, oh, no. So yeah, once fine. you sit in the back seat, you it's know it's serious. Yes. I didn't have cuffs, <laughs> so that was that was good. Um, I'm just a hardened criminal. I will follow anything you say blindly, uh, no questions asked. Um, all right, so when you step foot on a plane, you expect your pilots to be to be in tip top shape, not only mentally, physically, whatever it is. Well, now there is a new report uh, that authorities are 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 investigating. Nearly 5,000 pilots suspected of falsifying their medical records to conceal that they were receiving benefits for mental health disorders or other conditions that could make them unfit to fly. I mean, that is unbelievable. Lisa Ryan is a reporter with The Washington Post and following this story closely. Lisa, good to have you. How did they even stumble across that so many pilots were lying about their health records? Yes, well, we, we broke this story uh, yesterday in yesterday's paper because we felt that this was really um, kind of kind of shocking. And what happened was that the Inspector General at the Department of Veterans Affairs did a, a data analysis um, after there was a flight almost 10 years ago. Uh, I don't know if any of your listeners remember, but in Switzerland, um, the pilot was suicidal and, and basically drove his plane into the Swiss Alps, ki- killing 200 passengers uh, under the uh, the airline was called German Wings. And an investigator in the inspector general's office, you know, several years later said, well, let's just see, you know, if there are pilots who are hiding mental health conditions and other conditions. And the inspector general discovered that actually 5,000 pilots, you know, were who, who happened to be military veterans, now flying as civilians, uh, did not disclose to the uh, to the FAA that actually they were receiving disability benefits for, you know, serious conditions that, you know, left them at least 50% disabled, you know, PTSD, depression, cardiac issues, sleep apnea, a whole range of issues. Well, and, um, and oftentimes so the, those people are the ones that are most well-equipped to fly these planes. Yes, because so, you know, what we learned is that now it's actually far fewer 
um, pilots served in the military than did, let's say, in World War II, you know, mm-hmm. after Vietnam, the Korean War. But it's still about 30 percent, you know, and that's fairly high. And these pilots are really, really sought after, um, you know, by civilian airlines and, you know, cargo companies and corporate you know, corporate companies that, that fly corporations, you know, basically companies that, that fly for for money. You know, they really want military veterans. So they're a large proportion of the of the pilot um, crew. So federal authorities were 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 kind of alerted to this. What role do the airlines play here? Well, so 600 of the 5,000 pilots and all the pilots we looked at or the inspector general looked at are commercial pilots. So basically they all are pilots who fly for money, fly for hire, and in most cases fly passengers. 600 of these pilots, uh, it turns out, um, you know, fly for, for airlines, whether that's United, American, Delta, or, you know, regional airlines, uh, you know, JetBlue. Uh, Southwest, I mean, just run the gamut, really. Um, And the FAA, um, uh, a year after they got the information that was passed on to them from the Inspector General, they initiated a review. And they're still actually, you know, investigating the case, but they essentially extended a pretty big, significant amnesty to the pilots, uh, in part because they're veterans, um, and in part because there was pressure from politicians on Capitol Hill, you know, not to to really go after them. But they did break the law. But, you know, the feeling was, well, if let's just let these guys, uh, you know, try to clear things up rather than, um, you know, rather than than penalize them, mm-hmm. even though they did break the law by lying. You know, some of them lied for years to the to the FAA. And so they, they told the pilots that they had to get new medical exams. Um, and in some cases, those pilots, uh, you know, have been grounded while they seek waivers from the FAA uh, to continue flying. So it's uh, it's definitely caused a lot of disruption, especially at a time where there's a shortage of pilots. What what is the the requirements of becoming a pilot in terms of of disclosing your 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 health status? Do you have to file right. Do you have to file documents from your doctor? Is it an honor code? Um, and 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 is, it, it, could you see a scenario where lawmakers address this somewhere down the road? Such an important question. So it really varies um, depending on the class of pilot's license that you have or are seeking to maintain. So you know the what we were interested in was in large part of what's called a first or second class medical license. And that just depends really roughly speaking on uh, how many people, how many passengers you're carrying. But for what's called a first class license where, you know, you're, you're flying um, for FedEx or you're flying for United Airlines or American or JetBlue, whatever, um, you, depending on your age, so if you're, um, if you're over 40, you have to um, twice a year, you have to get your medical certificate. It's called renewed. If you're, um, if you're under 40, it's once a year. And th- again, there are other classes of license where it's, it's, it's less frequent that you have to get this medical certificate. But, um, and you have to go to a doctor who's contracted with the FAA called an aviation medical examiner. But the fascinating thing, and you brought it up, is that the 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 medical examiner for the FAA actually is not required to and rarely looks at 
um, the any medical records from the the pilot's primary care doctor. Mm -hmm. And so really what you hit the nail on the head, it's really basically an honor system. So, you know, the, the, the FAA doctor it has, you know, doesn't say to the pilot, okay, you know, I suspect something might be going on here. I want to see all your all your records. And they never looked at the VA records. Right. And that's sort of the thrust of our story. And that has now changed because, uh, you know, the FAA is now requiring the pilots to go back and have new medical exams where either the pilot has to, you know, come armed with the VA disability rating. Yeah. Uh, you know, or the doctor already has it in hand. Lisa Rain, uh, 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 really interesting reporting, um, something that we're going to continue to follow. Uh, great stuff. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Lisa okay. Ryan with the Washington Post. Um, in the meantime, coming up next, got to take a break. Uh, we'll give uh, some tickets away coming up at 348. Um, but there is a new activist, not a new activist, but an activist out there that wants Donald Trump taken off of the ballot here in Michigan. We'll explain as we continue on JR Afternoon next, right here on WJR. End your workday with Mitch Album at 4 and Sports Wrap with Sean Belegian at 6 on 760 WJR. Now back to Chris Renwick. I would be, look, I would be flabbergasted if Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson declared former President Donald Trump ineligible on Michigan ballots in 2024. That's what litigious activists, as Craig Mogger put it in the Detroit News, Robert Davis, is asking Jocelyn Benston to do. Um, the Highland Park native is arguing that Donald Trump should be disqualified from having his name on the primary and general election ballots under the 14th Amendment in the U.S. Constitution, which says... No one can hold office if they have previously taken an oath to support the Constitution, but it, quote, engaged in insurrection or rebellion. I now, as as Craig Mogger put it. Um, after the declaratory ruling from Benson six months before the presidential primary election, that's according to his draft. She doesn't have to respond to this. She doesn't have to do anything. But I would be very, very surprised if if this happened. I, I, I just don't believe it. Um, meanwhile, Alan Dershowitz uh, telling America's Voice Live, blocking Trump's name from ballots under the 14th Amendment would be an injustice and a grave danger to our Constitution. So under Michigan law, here's how this works. Jocelyn Benson and Christina Caramo, who's the chairwoman of the the Michigan GOP, they must develop a list of presidential candidates whose names will appear on the February 27th presidential primary ballot. The law also requires Benson to include the names of those, quote, generally advocated by the national news media to be potential candidates. Uh, Jocelyn Benson's list is due by November 10th. Christina Caramo's list is due by November 14th. And they will get their ballots on or their names on the ballots without having to do anything else. But although there are uh, lawsuits and efforts underway in North Carolina and Florida, similarly to try to keep Donald Trump from appearing on the ballot, 
Um, Davis wants it to be happening here in Michigan under the 14th Amendment. I just don't believe it's happening. I just don't believe that would happen. I think, and Brian, maybe I'm wrong, but it just feels like that would be, that would be, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I, I think that would go from, talk about going from zero to 100. I think that would be really, really bad. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say this isn't going to happen, but we'll try to get um, uh, Davis on uh, because I, I, I would love to hear from him, Robert Davis himself, about uh, why he thinks this would be the way to go. Um, Brad's in Rochester Hills. He wants to weigh in 800-859-0957. Hey, Brad. Hey, Chris. Hey, great to be with you again. Hey, uh, of all the current Biden supporters that are fed up uh, that are in the minority that would uh, really want to go ahead and uh, vote for Trump uh, as early on as uh, the first uh, primary uh, for next year, uh, uh, the black American uh, group of minorities would be my best uh, uh, pick uh, to go for Trump. Black Americans, you said? Yeah, the African American yeah. audience. Yeah, and, and, and yeah there's a great doubt. Uh, yeah, because he's uh, done uh, when Trump was in office. He did a lot for the African American community. Well, according to a new yeah, uh, mainly out of poverty among uh, other things. Well, according to a new Fox News poll, um, there has been a significant shift in 2020. Joe Biden pulled 91 percent of of the black vote. Now I've seen up to 92 percent, but we'll stick with this. Uh, now, as they pulled it today uh, or uh, just a, a week or so ago, um, black supporters, uh, black voters are supporting Joe Biden at 61 percent, Donald Trump 20 percent compared to Donald Trump's 8 percent in 2020. So we're uh, it, we're already starting to maybe see now if that holds up even a fraction, if Donald Trump is able to pull in 10, 15 percent as we stand today, that would be a huge boost to his efforts, uh, just a huge boost. You know, I talked about Miami-Dade County and the way that he was able to pull some of the, the Hispanic vote. That was a, a huge, it was a huge leg up in Florida where you had Democratic organizers and, and people with boots on the ground saying the only way that Ron DeSantis or Democrats would, would, would or, or that Ron DeSantis would lose or Democrats would win in Florida is if Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis stumped for them. Like it was over. They were abandoning Florida. It was it was their proverbial Titanic. The water was 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 filling every uh, you know department in that ship, and it was going down. They had to get out, so they bailed on Florida. So it, this is it's kind of where we're at. I'm very interested to see how this thing shakes out. And this is what I love about this time of year. Like we can play these what if games. We can talk about you know we can kind of theorize what's going to happen because. You know, the fireworks are going to start to go off in about six months. That's when things really kick into high gear. At this point, it's all the hypothesizing. It's all the we're just talking because, look, this is fun. This is this is interesting stuff. And there is a there is a dynamic shift in this country. It's not like it's not like when in 2015, 2016, when Donald Trump took over this country, you know, it it was a storm. It was it was a completely new way of politics. It was a completely new way of reaching the electorate. We'd never seen anybody like this before. We have never seen it before. 
And we, we really haven't seen it again. It's impossible for Donald Trump to have that type of of impact again in going into 2024. But but what we are seeing is him utilizing tools in different ways. You know, a la the mugshot to raise seven million dollars in a couple of days, putting it on T-shirts, whereas other candidates, if they had a mugshot, it would be over. They, they would fold up their shop, they'd fire everybody on the campaign, and they'd go home and cry for a year and a half because uh, it, it was something just slipped through their fingers. They'd spend the whole rest of their life questioning what I would have won if I didn't just, uh, you know, drive drunk. Whatever it is. I, this, is the, this is an interesting time of year. And, and as much as I don't necessarily put on polling, I do believe that it is a snapshot in time that can be beneficial when you're not talking about a presidential election today, tomorrow, a couple of months down the road. We've seen how inconsistent and unreliable they are. But right now, I do feel like there's a little bit of truth in the sense that you're, you're, you're getting a you, there isn't any pressure, right? The pressure's off right now. You're not voting. You're not voting right now. You're going to let the, the cards fall where they may. And I, I kind of feel like that's why people are more truthful in these polls. But I, I don't see a scenario in which Jocelyn Benson keeps Donald Trump from from being on the ballot. I think, if anything, you let the legal process play out, uh, whether it's the feds, whether it's in Georgia, whether it's in New York, and you let the process play out that way. I, I think it would be I, I think it would be unthinkable to do that here in the state of Michigan. I think you would wake up a different electorate here in the state of Michigan if Jocelyn Benson did that. She didn't have to do anything. But but I, I think that would be something to keep an eye on. Um, all right, we are getting we are getting very close to college football season. I mean very close to college football season. We're gonna give away some Michigan State tickets coming in next. We we probably should talk a little college football. Because look, Michigan national title hopes. They've got to beat Georgia period in practice now because they're the big bad bully on the block. Um, Michigan State looking to improve. And a word out of out of camp, word out of the, the the this this training period is that good things are happening. But there's a lot of unanswered questions. We'll talk about it next with our friend Steve Courtney here on JR Afternoon. All right, let's give away some tickets, eh, Steven? I want to talk a little college football in a minute. All like right. I, we'll, we'll give away some tickets to Michigan State. How about that? You betcha. Um, all right. Caller number 9, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Four tickets up for grabs to see Michigan State football take on the Chippewas of Central Michigan. 7 o'clock kick Friday night at Spartan Stadium. It's going to be electric. 800-859-0957. Caller number 9. Uh, official rules are available at WJR.com. Tickets are still available for purchase at MSU Spartans slash tickets.com. Let's get it going. It's going to be fun. Um, did you catch any of that uh, Navy Notre Dame game? I did. From across the pond? I did. What uh, a boring one. Yeah, it turned out to be. Um, the slaughter. I mean, Navy Navy won, what was it, 42 to 3, something like that? Yeah, it was uh, kind of a. A win going away type deal. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even Notre Dame fans are, they're happy for the W, but they don't know exactly how good their team is Yeah, because I think Navy was woeful. You saw in their opening possession, they had two receivers um, run right into each other. Mm-hmm. And you kind of saw from that point on, well, okay, 
the writing may be on the wall. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan, Michigan State. Let, let, let's start with Michigan because, you know, back-to-back winners of the Big Ten, undefeated last year. They get back to the college football playoff, uh, beating Ohio State in consecutive years. Jim Harbaugh has this thing rolling now. Um, the only problem is to start your year in the non-con, non-conference, Jim Harbaugh's not going to be on the sideline. They've self-imposed a three-game suspension. Doesn't need, doesn't to be. need to be. But is that, do you view that as a distraction? Do you view it as, um, you know, are, are, is it possible that the team takes their eye off the ball and they get popped in one of these games? And they're playing nobodies. Uh, right. But, but it, I mean, to not have your guy on the sideline, I, I have to imagine it would be impactful somehow. You know, it was quite an eventful offseason for yeah. the Michigan football Wolverines, was it not? Yeah. Um, does that prove to be a distraction? I don't think so. I think uh, everything that uh, transpired, you know, you lose uh, an assistant coach for some computer thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we ever got down to the bottom of that. Not really? Um, you know, you, the, the whole Shemmy Schembechler thing, uh you know, it's been kind of one thing after another. And then, you know, the NCAA comes out and says, yeah, Harbaugh's looking at a four-game suspension and it has nothing to do with cheeseburgers. Uh, and then that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. So Michigan uh, self-imposes this three-game suspension. And then you had Jim Harbaugh uh, out in Ann Arbor this morning kicking things off by saying, you know, the uh, the way things are going uh, right now with NIL it's not enough. He wants an out-and-out revenue-sharing type deal uh, for the student-athletes. Okay. Um, and, and this is, Chris, I think uh, a very important time in collegiate athletics because, you know, Harbaugh's not the only one that's come out and said the way things are going right now, uh, it's not working mm-hmm. and it's not workable. Uh, where it goes from here, I don't know, because the NCAA, we've discussed it before, yeah. they've done absolutely nothing. No, they've done nothing. Abs- they, 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 they won't do anything. It's too late, right? Because if they try and fall on their face, it's over. Like, people are just going to go, you're done. Like, we're not we're not adhering to any of your guidelines, any of your rules, because it's nonsense. They, they don't, when they want to have a spine, they have a spine, or they want to show that they're the big bad on the block when they're really not. They're completely powerless. When's the last time they made a ruling of any sort uh, that was indeed in favor of the student-athlete? Those days are long gone. Long gone. If they, I'll tell you what. Here, here's what they should have done. If they truly cared about the, 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 the school experience of a student-athlete, they would have never allowed conferences to expand. Well, true enough. Ever. True enough. Even to this, even to the fact of going from Nebraska to Piscataway, right? Like even even that smaller of a stretch, they they shouldn't have allowed that. Well, now that you've got the uh, Pac-12 schools, uh, yeah, in the Big Ten next year, the conversation's already begun. Sure. How is this going to be economically viable, and how is this possibly going to benefit the student athlete? Because I'll tell you, here's what's going to happen as far as basketball goes. Football is a completely different animal. But as far as basketball goes, to try and cut costs, if uh, USC is coming to East Lansing, they're going to try and schedule the ladies at the same time. Yeah. And then they're going to go from East Lansing to Columbus. Yep. 
and then from Columbus, probably out to Piscataway or yep. whatever. Yeah, you're going to have just to do to, a whole East Coast swing. Just to try and cut costs because it's not viable no. to come out for one game nope. and then or fly, fly Or fly one team out, fly another one out two days later. It's no. going to be chaos. Um, Michigan State, meanwhile, look, I, for Michigan, I, I, I think everything's on the table. I think I think they, they can run the table again. I think they absolutely can win this Big Ten. I think they can absolutely beat Michigan State and Penn State and Ohio State. I think they can get to the college football playoff and make some noise. Well, Will I, they? I, I don't you know. know. I, I just think that, you know, October 21st, uh, certainly a day that I know Spartan Nation is circled uh, because the Wolverines will be in town at the woodshed. And uh, certainly hope that that's a meaningful game. It is a very meaningful season for Mel Tucker. Yes. And uh, the Spartans coming off the disappointment that was last year. Uh, I am very interested to see what uh, offensive coordinator Jay Johnson does at that quarterback position. Peyton Thorne, now the starter in Auburn. Uh, you've got Noah Kim and Caden Hauser. Uh, is there going to be a two-quarterback system? I think there will be. Early to, on, uh, probably. start the season. Yeah. You know, see if any of them pull away. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a little bit more depth on that offensive line. Couldn't run the ball. Uh, consistently a year ago. That's not Spartan football. A uh, couple of transfer running backs in the fold, um, <laughs> bringing back memories of Kenneth Walker. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be nice, of course? Uh, well, even a little so we'll bit see. of that. I think Scotty Hazleton, the defensive coordinator, is happy with uh, you know the personnel he has on that side of the mm-hmm. ball. Um, and uh, we'll see. Well, 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 we'll get this thing going here in a couple of days. I mean, what, four days till Michigan State? Friday yeah, night, 7 o'clock chips? kick. Yeah, 7 o'clock kick uh, in beautiful. I think that's turned out to be a wonderful tradition. Yeah, uh, Kicking things game. off Friday night going into Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, just a lot of fun up there on campus. And uh, there is going to be uh, beverages for sale. Yes, for the first time. It's going to be fun. Um, what do you got coming up? You're in for Mitch today, yeah? You know, I'm a big fan of uh, being part of history, and I will thoroughly enjoy being a part of that history. You're not going to, no. no I, if I know anything about you, you will not be taking part in that. Uh, what? Huh? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, back to school time already. How about that? You know, believe it or not, there are kids that really enjoy school. Yeah. Some don't. Uh, we're going to talk to Donna Rockwell, a clinical psychologist, uh, getting everybody Ready, on the same page, going back to school. Uh, the UAW, uh, potential strike, that has all the makings. I don't need to tell you of being a very ugly scene. Uh, Paul Eisenstein's going to join us, and uh, we've got a whole lot going on. Uh, Jake, who's five, is starting kindergarten this year. Um, he can ride the bus to school now. Does he enjoy that? How, it, it, it's really thrown me for a loop. I gotta say, he's a big man on campus. It's uh, yeah, he thinks that too. Uh, all right, Steve Courtney in for Mitch Album and the crew coming up next. That's gonna do it for us. We'll catch you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good one.